Hi everyone, welcome to Chord Chronicles. And wow, Amy, week four is upon us. It's been doing this a month. It doesn't feel like a month. I don't think so. And there's been a lot of good music. A little bad. But, I mean, honestly, mostly good. And this week is like that as well, I think. But, uh, you know, how have you been this week? Oh, I've been good. I've been enjoying listening to everything and learning about some new music. Well, it's funny that you said that because a lot of these bands are bands that I never would have known about had we not started this podcast. And that's always really exciting for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Especially if it's a band that's good, that I think is talented, that I just had no knowledge about before. And this next band that I'm about to talk about falls in that category for me. That band is Argent. And we don't exactly know when this album came out. There's conflicting reports. We have January 1970 on this, as well as about three or four more albums. But we decided we would drop this one right now. And we'll wait on the others, and we'll put them throughout the weeks. Because it's, it's, it's not exactly known. Because the reviews for these albums are like March, and things like that. So it's a little fuzzy. So I guess 1970 time where it was a little bit psychedelic and fuzzy. So, but um, like I say, we're gonna say this came out January 1970, and Argent is a British rock band. It's progressive rock. I would say more like psychedelic rock, a little bit of hard rock in there. Uh, the funny thing about this album, it didn't produce any hit singles, but the song "Liar" that we're gonna talk about in a minute was covered in 1971, like a year later, by Three Dog Night, and that made it to the Billboard Top 10. So if that's not a slap in the face, I don't know what is. <laughs> and I went... A little bit. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny when I found that little nugget out. I'm like, oh man. And now it made me... I had to go back and listen to the Three Dog Night version to see and compare them. But, you know, we'll get into that actually when we cover that song. Because the first song on the album is Like Honey. And I really like the layer and the different instruments and vocals. It's totally different than anything that that I think I, that I've reviewed so far. It has a really psychedelic feel. The vocals, they're almost operatic in a way. It's a really, I don't want to say, it, it's artsy. It's very artsy. And I actually really like the vibe of this. It's different, but not in a bad way. It's just really smooth. And I, like, I can tell that like, a lot of times your progressive artists are really talented musically. Like Maybe they've went to art school a lot of times. Now, I don't know if this is the case with Argent, but they're first and then they're musicians second. And I think that to be true with this band as well. But what did you think about Like Honey? I thought it was pretty good. I don't think that it's quite as good as Rod Argent's previous work with the Zombies. That was his band before he formed Argent. But I did think it was good. I enjoyed listening to it. So yeah. I had high hopes for this album, and so far I hadn't been disappointed. And it's interesting that you brought up the Zombies because I did know about that connection. I just... I guess I just didn't note it when I was, you know, I, I got lost in the, the whole Liar song, them being one up by Three Dog Night. 
but, uh, but I guess I just didn't put it on here. But I, th I always think it's interesting to hear an artist when they break away from a group, just to hear what maybe th their own personal input would bring to a song or an album, you know. So it was really, really interesting to, you know, going into this to see what he would bring. But the next song actually is Liar. Like I said before, this was covered later by Three Dog Night. But in this one, his vocals, they sounded very hollowy. But it somehow worked in this song. And I really liked how they punctuate the word liar with the cymbals, like the brass sound. It really helps add punch. Uh, the piano is strong in this as well. And it has a little bit of a bluesy vibe. And I put in the note that I was really liking this album a lot, and I was only two songs in. So it was a really pleasant surprise for me. And the Three Dog Night cover, it may be a little bit better, but not by much. I mean, it's a pretty true cover of this song, really. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of difference in the two. I mean, Three Dog Night does sound a little bit different than Argent, but honestly, of the two, there's not a whole lot of difference. But what did you think about Liar? I liked it, too. I haven't listened to Three Dog Night's cover of it yet, but I'm going to have to go and listen to that one. The only thing that I didn't like about this one is the chorus, which was just the word liar. It was just a little too loud. It was almost a little bit scary, like they were screaming at me. But the verses were excellent. I thought they were really great. Yeah, I was really excited about this. like A pleasant surprise, because I had no knowledge of Argent going into this. Just, you know, blind. A lot of these artists I've known, you know, a lot of them I've dreaded going into it. But this one, nothing. Mm -hmm. Now the next song is called Be Free. Uh, I put on here that keyboard and bass line are really nice. It's just a really groovy, fun song. And why haven't I heard of this band before? Because three tracks in and I'm already loving it. But what did you think about it? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think this one was a standout. But it is also worth mentioning that I was interrupted several times while I was trying to listen to this, so I do want to go back and listen to the whole album again without interruption. Um, but I did think it was good. It's Yeah, I think this is one of those albums that it kind of flows into, like the songs almost flow into one another. It is a progressive rock album in a way. Now, a lot of times progressive, you'll have... A lot of instrumentation with very little vocals that's not necessarily the case in this one there's quite a bit of lyrics in this album now you know um, now there's is an artist we're gonna be talking talk about coming up that is more jazzy but he has a lot of progressive stuff with a lot of instrumentation and you know a, you know, a little bit less lyrically but this is kind of balanced so far so I get why they call this progressive, but this is more psychedelic for me. It's more of a psychedelic rock in a way. And a little bit of blues, you know, so in some of the songs with you know, there's there's a lot of different you know, influences you can tell. But you know, they're they're very good, you know, a lot of yeah, talent in this band from what I can tell. But, you know, I'm no expert or anything. <laughs> I just review music. But um, the next song is Schoolgirl. And this one actually does have nice progressions in it. Uh, I put, uh, I had to try to be, the tickling of the ivories is really fun. So this person that's really playing the piano, he really is, is doing a great job. 
Uh, the guitar effects were really nice in this song. This one also had a bluesy vibe, and I really liked it. It was just another really good song. And, I mean, this album, like, once again, I put a note, it's been a really pleasant surprise. How everything flows into one another. It's, it's probably one of the best laid out albums so far that I've reviewed as far as the way the songs flow into one another. It's not just like a, like, what in the world? Why did they put that on there? Like, why, like Chicago, why is there a classical piece right in the middle of this? You know, there's nothing like that on this album that I could tell so far. But what did you think about Schoolgirl? I agree. It is, you know, the album does flow well, and I thought it was pretty good. I liked it a little bit better than Be Free, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I'm getting into the album at this point, and be so free. far, so good. Like Jeffrey, but Be Free. <laughs> uh, the next song. Yeah. You can't well, see me, but I'm rolling. The box. next song is Dance in the Smoke. And I like the title. Uh, the keyboard is back in this song. It's really great. I really liked it, what it added to everything. His vocals were a little more subdued in this one. The, the song's actually a little more subdued. But it still has a nice progression of sounds. And the vocal harmonies were really nice in this. And, I mean, the keyboard, like I said, it really made this a fun listen. And there is a bit of guitar craziness in this song. So this is one of the, the songs that has a little bit more instrumentation, a little bit less lyrically. But, I mean, it's just an example of, like the guitar craziness I talked about. It's like when I talk about controlled chaos. It is in a way. It, but it doesn't last very long. And it, it just it shakes things up a little bit. It helps with ear fatigue, I believe. I thought this was a nice track to inside one on. What did you think about it? Yeah, it was softer. It was a little more psychedelic feeling than the previous ones, I thought. But it was still really catchy, and it was actually my favorite on the album. I really like this one. I caught myself singing along even after I had finished listening. Uh, it still was stuck in my head. Yeah, that one's playlist. I put on their playlist. Uh, I've Instead of writing playlists like I usually do, I've highlighted some of them. There's two or three I put on here that I really like. I like Liar. I like this one. And there's another one or two, I think, on side two. Which actually we're going into side two next. And the first song on side two is Lonely Hard Road. And this one has that 70s sound in a way. I don't know how to describe it, but it just sounds like a 70s rock song to me. The background vocals are, you know, they're nice once again. And this one also has a little bit of R&B vibe. It doesn't match side one, but that's not a bad thing. It's just different, and I, I still really liked it. And like I said, side one, it kind of flowed together. Side two started something a little different, so I was kind of excited to hear it because I was worried that side one, it would flow right into side two, and all the songs would have kind of the same sound. And I was really worried about that because I like it, but I, I didn't want to get bored with it. What did you think about uh, Lonely Hard Road? This one was definitely more soulful to me. Uh, that R&B sound that you mentioned and that 70s sound. The music was actually pretty reminiscent of the zombies, I thought, which I think is a good thing. Um, this one and the next song actually both made me think of that. It does get significantly more psychedelic near the end of this song, 
which again isn't a bad thing, but you know, it kind of switched. Yeah, um, actually, it's funny you said the next track. That's where I put about the zombies. Uh, I put on here the keyboard and or, or organ starts the track. It fades away, mostly vocals and drums. Parts to this song are laid back a bit, but I really like it. And I put a note on here that I found out that he was in the zombies, and this actually reminds me of a zombies track. It just, it's another solid track. It has great pro progressions, and this one's a playlist for me. But what did you think about the feelings inside? I really like this one, too. Um, I couldn't figure out who it reminded me of at first. The voice reminded me of something, and it took me maybe half the song, and I finally figured out, oh, it's the zombies. I looked. Sure enough, Rod Argent actually handled lead vocals on this song. He didn't in all of them, but he did on this one. So it kind of makes sense. Even though he wasn't the vocalist for the zombies, he wrote most of the music. So this one really did remind me of that, and I really liked it too. Yeah, Rod Argent, very seriously underrated. At least from what I can tell so far. Because his work with the zombies and with, you know, Argent from what I can tell so far, has been stellar. The song, Free Fall, it's not Tom Petty. Now I'm free. But um, I really like the bass line and keyboards in this song. It had an older vibe, more of like a song from the 60s, more of like that Zombies. Maybe, that's, maybe he wrote some of this stuff or came up with it when he was in Zombies and they just didn't want to go with it and he kept it. So... But I really like the keyboard solo later in this song. It was just really fun. Uh, this actually might have been my least favorite, but I still liked it. And the vocals probably were my least favorite about this song in this one. I thought the the vocals were a little weak in this one. But, I, I mean, it's it's not a terrible track or anything. But, you know, there, I don't think there's a bad song on this album, really. But this one, it was, this one was probably, if I had to pick a weaker one, it would be this one. What did you think about Free Fall? Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it didn't feel special to me. It was just kind of standard. Um, just kind of filler, I guess. The end wasn't great for me. They tried to do something a little different, maybe a little artsy. It didn't really work for me, but that's just a personal opinion. Um, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, like you said. It's, it's okay. It's like a thumb in the middle. Not a thumb up or down, it's just in the middle. Now the next song, Stepping Stone, try saying that if you have a lisp like I do, it's it's another track that grew on me as I listened to it. The start wasn't great, but the, it, it progresses into a lot of fun instrumentation. It made it a really fun bluesy track, and I actually I highly recommend this one, but you do have to give it a little bit of rest, because like, I, I wasn't in love with it at the start, but I really like once it got going. What do you think about Stepping Stone? I'll have to go back and listen to it. Uh, for me, it sounded very similar to Freefall. Uh, it might just be because, at least when I was listening to them, they blended almost seamlessly. There was no space between them. So, if it weren't for the scream, I don't even know if it was the end of Freefall or the beginning <laughs> of Stepping Stone, but there was a crazy sound in Scream. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't know that the track had changed. But... It was okay, and I'll have to go back and listen for those you know, progressions that you mentioned. Yeah, it happens later on. You have to give it, I think it's a couple minutes, honestly. I, I can't remember how long this track was. I need to start actually 
output and how long the tracks have an idea once I'm talking about it because some of these are lengthy now not this this album but you know one of them coming up that we're going to talk about was very lengthy but um, that you know I think that would help is if, if I can do that and that's not on every you know I mean I guess I could look at it when I'm listening to it but uh, a lot of the albums they don't have the track you know how long the actual songs are um, some do but you know I don't I don't know why some do and some don't maybe that's just you know the producers choice so maybe with this one they don't want you to know so you can just flow right into another song so I don't know but uh, the last song on the album is bring you joy actually this one wasn't a great track in my opinion I don't like it when he hits the high range in his vocals it sounds odd sometimes with the music it's not once again it's it's not a terrible track but of all these I probably wouldn't listen to this one again but it is the last song on side two of an L so it probably was one of their weaker songs you know but what did you think about bring you joy I'm really glad that you mentioned the vocal because that was my main note as well I really liked this song until about a minute and a half in and the singer tried to hit a high note and just wasn't quite there. It was a little bit sour. And that happened a couple other times. Other than that, the song was fine, but that did really lower my opinion of it. But the piano in it, I thought, was really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're a really talented band. I mean, there's not a, there's not a bad song. So don't get me wrong. There's just a couple tracks that are weaker. But, I mean, out of ten tracks, eight tracks being solid, I mean, I think that's pretty good. But, um, honestly, I wanted to give this a four star, but I took it down a little bit because of those two tracks. This one's a three and a half for me. But what did you give Argent? I gave it a three and a half as well. I do want to go back and listen to it again and hopefully not get interrupted so many times. So my rating could change, but for now... I'm going to stick with three and a half, and I do know one Argent song already, Hold Your Head Up. It's not quite as good as that, but it is still good. Just maybe not a knockout. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what else Argent came up with, because, you know, I don't know if they came out with another album in the 70s, but, you know, our musical journey isn't going to end with 1970, so, you know. I look forward to seeing what else he came up with. Well, the band. And I, I believe the band actually changed members a little bit too, from what I could tell. So the sound may have changed a little bit as well. But, you know, the next artist that we're going to be talking about is totally nothing like Argent. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah. All right. And our next album was a pleasant surprise for me. Kind of like. Glenn Campbell in a way. Not that it necessarily sounds the same, but it is a folk singer. He does some folk stuff. With that being said, February the 1st, 1970, James Taylor released Sweet Baby James. And with a title like that, you think it would have a little bit more soul. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, You know, obviously I've heard James Taylor, but I did have some prejudices going in and I've tried to keep an open mind and open ear but you know I thought it was just all going to be kind of corny 
course, you know, there are a couple songs I already knew. But other than those, you know, I thought, eh, we'll see. But honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. But, you know, what were your initial reactions going into this album, Amy? I was probably biased going into it as well, but the other direction. I am a big fan of James Taylor, so I really expected to like it. And I did. I wasn't disappointed at all. I thought it was a good album. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started with the, uh, the actual songs. And we have a little bit of thunder in the background, which is just going to add all the sinister element that James Taylor is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first um, well, the first song is like the album title. It's Sweet Baby James. And this is easy listening with a little bit of a country vibe. Um, I don't really dislike it, obviously. I, I, I kind of like it. It's not my number one choice of music. But it does have a folksy feel as well. Um, I put it's not my favorite, but I really do like it. But I did want to trigger you, trigger you with something, Amy. And I wrote, Jim Croce is way better than James Taylor. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I like Jim Croce what? too. <laughs> I know. I know. I just messing with you. What, what do you think about Sweet Baby James? Well, like I said, I like James Taylor. So I like this song. I already knew it a little bit. But I just, I really like, I like that style, and I like his voice. So this, for me, is just a really pretty, relaxing type of song. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not very complicated. So it's, a, it's a, I don't want to say simple, but it's not as maybe complicated as a Chicago or something like that. There's not a lot of arrangement going on in this song. But it is a solid song. I mean, it was a good way to start the album. And, you know, so, like I say, my, you know, my prejudice, they started to drop away a little bit because it did have a little bit more soul than I thought it would have going into it. So, I'm going to go to the next song, and that's Lo and Behold. And this actually has more of a bluesy vibe, and I really like the backup vocals in this. They, they added a little bit of soul to it. Um, this song, I thought, was actually better than the first song. But that's just because I like blues. We've already established that <laughs> in podcasts in the past, you know. But what did you think about Lo and Behold? I really liked it, too. I didn't know it before, but I kind of wish I had. Um, I thought it was really good. I described it as country soul. It definitely has that soul, bluesy feel to it, along with you know, the, the folksy country. And I liked it. I especially thought the guitar was good in this one. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that in a lot of these songs. The guitarist is very, very skilled. And not what I expected really going into this album. Well, the next song, Sunny Skies, which you're not having right now. Um, I put it's back to more of an easy listening, folksy sound. Like, once again, the backup vocals do add a lot. And one note I put on here, it's kind of cruel. But, you know, I'm just trying to be honest. This drummer is very overpaid. Because all this guy does is keep time. They could have replaced him with a metronome. I mean, that's all he's doing. He's keeping time. So if you're looking for some serious drum work, you're not going to get it in this song. But uh, what did you think about Sunny Skies? Yeah, that's fair. You know, James Taylor music is not heavy on the percussion. It's not hard rock. Um, this song in particular, you know, again, I liked it. I wrote, you know, it just felt good listening to these past three songs. They're all 
the headphone songs, like I mentioned last week. And this one actually reminded me a lot of You've Got a Friend. I don't know if that came before or after this. I didn't look into that, but I thought that those two sounded similar. Yeah, I'm not sure, but they they did have a similar vibe. But it could just be because James Taylor is going to sound like James Taylor. <laughs> so No. Well, the, no, maybe a little bit. He might he might do a couple of ACDC covers. I don't know. I haven't listened to his whole catalog of music, but we'll get there. So, the next uh, track is Steamroller Blues. I like the title, first off, obviously, blues. <laughs> but it's back to that blues vibe. I really like the lyrics in this one, and it was my favorite track so far. The horns came in, the song really got going then. And I put on here, this will probably be playlist material for me. Yeah. Um, James Taylor doesn't really have what you think of as a blues voice. It's a little too smooth and pretty, but I like the song still. I, you know, It definitely wasn't bad. I really thought the music was great, even though this song was intended as a parody. You know, they did a good job on it. And there was a surprising jazz feel in the second half of the song that I wasn't expecting, but I really liked it. It had me moving. Yeah, I really liked when those horns came in. It just was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it was, like I said, it's, this one probably was my favorite so far uh, of the, you know, the four tracks. Now, the next track, Country Road. At first, I was thinking, Country Roads take me home. You know, no, it's not that. Uh, but it is more, he's back to more of the folk, uh, the easy listening vibe. Your headphone song is what you called it. Um, of the folksy type stuff, this probably was my favorite one. I, I don't know. I just really liked it. I liked the, the instrumentation in it. Yeah, the guitar was really nice. It was really smooth. But uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I wrote back to what I expect from James Taylor. It has that singer-songwriter style. It's smooth. It's pretty. I didn't think it was a standout for me, but it was definitely a good song, and I did like it. Now, this next one, you better not rate it good. You better not. This one was trash. This one, okay, they could have just left this crap. And, I, you know, I've been nice about all this stuff and trying to be PC. All right, this is Oh Susanna, which is what Stephen Foster hit. I don't want to call it a hit, but we know it well. But um, I only put two words on here, and it's about as long as I listen to it. Boo, corny, no. No, I can't do it. I could not do it. That, that was terrible. Now, I mean, like I said, James Taylor's had great stuff. First five songs, good songs. This song, leave it off the album. Don't even bother. But what do you think about it? Oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. I come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Which, I like that song. I like the original. James Taylor murdered it. I'll disagree with that. I, It's not my favorite, but I didn't think it was bad. I expected to be underwhelmed by it because I'm not a huge fan of the original, so maybe that's the difference in us. But you know, if you're going to sing Oh Susanna, or if you're going to listen to it, I would probably listen to this one instead of like a, the type you would find on a normal kid's album. I thought it was fun and it served as a good intro into the next song. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I've, I strongly, strongly disagree. Don't, don't, don't bother with this one. Like the original, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a kid's song. But 
I don't know. This just did not fit. And I don't know. You said it goes into the next song. Well, the next song was side two, from what I could tell. And which is a song that most people know by James Taylor. And I had Fire and Rain. And I mean, this is probably, I don't know if this is James Taylor's biggest hit, but I think it probably is. Um, you know, if you don't know Fire and Rain, you probably need to listen to it. It just gives you a good feeling in your heart, your soul. It's good. It's a good, a good song, and it was something I really actually needed at the time. So, you know, obviously you know Fire and Rain, but you know, what do you think? Is it your favorite James Taylor song? It's not my favorite. I, I like it. Obviously, that goes without saying. I do feel like it's a little bit overplayed, um, because it is his biggest hit. But I like it. How can you not like Fire and Rain? I figured it out. You're a hipster James Taylor fan. You're like, I don't like the radio stuff. I like, you know, I like like the next no. song. I like the, no, like, I do like, like the radio stuff. <laughs> you probably like the next song, too. <laughs> uh, the next song is Blossom. And I put, it's okay. First one I actually skipped, other than Oh, Susanna. We, we already talked about that one. But I did skip this one. I didn't listen to the whole thing. It was more of a filler track, in my opinion. It's okay. It's not bad, but it's just there. Now, what do you think about Blossom? And I love the show Blossom, by the way, but not this song. I agree on that one. It's not the best on the album. It wasn't bad, but nothing really stood out about it, so I also thought that it was just filler. The next track, I felt kind of felt the same way about it. It was okay. It's, it's anywhere but he- anywhere like heaven. Sorry. Um, it's just a James Taylor track. You know, it's not bad. It just has that that James Taylor vibe. That's the only way I can tell you. If you've heard James Taylor just singing folk music, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's not bad, but it's just this one. Like I said, was a little bit of a filler. It it didn't have a lot of a variation between Blossom and Anywhere Like Heaven. They kind of just faded into each other. From what I you know, if I would have listened to maybe the end of Blossom, maybe it got different, and it, they don't. But they they really sounded you know, the same, in the same vein. But what did you think about it? I actually kind of like this one. I thought it, you know, it really stuck with me, and it had me singing along with the chorus part before the song even ended the first time I listened to it. It does have more of a country feel, so I do like country more than you do typically. But I liked it a lot better than Blossom. Blossom would be so disappointed. <laughs> but, <laughs> now the next song... Oh baby, don't you lose, uh, loose, yeah, don't you loose your lip on me. I had to like go back because I keep saying lose your lip on me. I'm like, that's a weird title. Now, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say at the beginning of this song, Studio Chatter. Normally that would take me out of the track. It really irritates me, but it, it wasn't that bad. So I just let it go. They're back to the blues again, and that's a really good thing. I really feel like James Taylor should do more of this stuff. And maybe he has an, an album that he does more of this stuff on that I don't know because, like I said, I don't know a lot of James Taylor. But uh, this song was really bluesy, very soulful. It was just another good track for me after the last two tracks weren't for me weren't as strong. So it kind of brought me back in. And maybe I just am, you know, I like blues more than folk. But I don't know. I just felt like the, the two folk songs weren't strong folk songs. And maybe that blues you know, was pretty strong. 
I, I feel like he should really have done maybe a little bit more of that. And what did you think about this song? I can agree with that. I did think of you when I heard the studio chatter. I thought, oh no, he's going to hate this. But it, the song had kind of a jam session type of feel to it. So the studio chatter kind of worked with that. It just seemed like all of the musicians that were there were just having fun and it worked for me. I liked it. And, you know, sometimes, like, that, the studio chatter doesn't bother me as much if I can tell that maybe they're, they are having a good time. Like, the Sid Barrett studio wasn't a good time. It was just no preparation, and you could tell, like, I mean, they didn't really want to be there, and I don't know. It just, it just takes me out of it when it's something like that. But, you know, this studio chatter, I think they kind of laughed, even, at the beginning. So, you know, they were having a good time. So that's fine, and they did jam, So, and I'm all for that. Now, the next song closed out the album, uh, Sweet for 20G. It, this one sounded totally different than any other track on the album, I thought. I put, are his vocals boosted or layered? It, it did sound a little older, in my opinion. I liked it. Um, I really liked the jazziness of it. It's totally different, like I said, than any of the other tracks. It's like, it just didn't really fit. But it was bluesy, it was fun. It was a great way to end the album, I, I guess, because I like this song. But it totally was just out of left field, though, because it was, I don't know, it was jazz in a way. What do you think about it? I wrote, this is an entire journey through music, and I like it. I thought it really got good when the tempo picked up and the, you know, the rock sound kicked in. <laughs> we have a visitor in the form of a puppy dog. <laughs> I don't even uh, care if we get that on camera, on uh, on camera, on on audio. Yeah, Mr. Kingston loves me. He's a sweet puppy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you probably hear him bouncing around. Um, yeah, I agree as well. He did transition. There was a lot of transitions in this that song, and I don't know. I I really liked it too, and it really left me, like I said once again. I wish he would do more of the blues, jazzy type stuff because he does it so well. I mean, you know, the the folk music's fine, and he can do that well too. But the folk music's not complicated. You know, I'm gonna say anybody can pick up a guitar and play it and sing, but it's not that difficult. There's all kinds of people who can pick up a guitar and play and sing, and you'll enjoy it. But when he adds the layer of the band playing the blues or some jazz, maybe some horns, some piano in there, it just adds so much, and his voice suits that. So. But with that being said, you know, actually I rated this album a lot higher than you're gonna, you probably thought I would. This is a four-star album for me. But what did you think about Sweet Baby James? I also gave it four stars. You know, I, it was no surprise to me. I expected to like it, but I really did, and I will listen to it again. Oh, there's definitely some songs I will, you know, put. Like I say, this is gonna be part of the playlist. This may have three songs come out. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot stronger than quite a few albums that we've listened to so far. I will give it that. Definitely. I don't. I think it's probably like, like I said, along the, the same lines of like Glenn Campbell for me. I'm actually looking forward to listening to some more James Taylor to see if if he did more of the blues and jazz. I'm looking looking forward to listening to more of that Glenn Campbell just because it made me feel good. So, and and the James Taylor does too as well, but. But, I don't know, it's just pleasant little surprises in here. But, I wish I could say that about the next album. 
Oh man, like once I, like I had high hopes for this album going into it, because my favorite band in the world, at least for probably hard rock or rock, would be Led Zeppelin. I I think I would probably pick Led Zeppelin as being my favorite band. I love Tool and bands like that, you know, more of the progressive rock. But you know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin are two of my favorite bands. So, you know. I was really excited going into this. This album, we actually don't have an official day, but we have it as February 1970. And I'm really wordy about it, but this tie, this album is Screaming Lord Such, and it's Lord Such and Heavy Friends. And okay, I'm just going to describe the album cover because we have to. This is audio, not video. <laughs> this has a Union Jack. What is it? Is it a Mercedes? I don't know, a huge, crazy car. And on the title, it lists Jimmy Page, John Bonham, Jeff Beck, and I can't remember, there's a couple others. But with those three names on there, I was flipping out like, oh my gosh, this is getting ready to be something amazing. And I almost wanted to spoil it by going and looking at, you know, something else about it trying to read more before I because I try not to read until I've already listened I want to get an initial reaction first and then maybe if I don't understand something I'll go back and read because it spoils it a little bit but once I went back and uh, read the reviews about other people about this album they kind of matched me too on it so with that being said had you ever heard of Lord Screaming Lord Such? No I hadn't, and I understand why now. Uh, but like you said, I was excited about this when I really was looking forward to it. I even made my husband wait and listen to it with me because I really thought it was going to be great, you know, with people like Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck and John Bottom. And <laughs> instead, what I wrote is it sounds like a bad local band playing at an outdoor festival, but with a British accent. It is. Uh, well, I'm just going to get into it. Okay, the first song, Wailing Sounds, I put a little sloppy in parts. It is a fun garage-style song, but that's all I put. I haven't gotten into his vocals yet because I just let it go because it was the first song. But we're just going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. His vocals are trash. And, And I looked up Lord Such after this, and he has a really crazy story. So, And there's a documentary about Lord Such. So he's involved with music and sideshow, like a sideshow type thing, I believe, before he got into music. So it's like carnival and just weird. But what do you think about Wailing Sounds? The music was fine. There was not really anything terribly wrong with the music, but unlike you, I'm going to get into the vocals. They were awful. The Wailing Sounds title is very appropriate, and it was so grating. Ugh, I just hated it. <laughs> I'm going to go to the next song. Um, it's Cause I Love You. And I put, this sounds like the Kinks. Like, stolen from them. <laughs> I mean, I liked it, but it was a blatant ripoff. But, like, they, they stole it. They stole that, that whole sound. But, you know, Led Zeppelin may have lifted a few sounds from their days, too, so I can't say that. With that being said, it was a fun track, uh, nice pacing. Who doesn't like Jimmy Page on guitar, John Bonham on drums? Very bad production, 
but I'm still trying to let it slide. I haven't mentioned his vocals yet. <laughs> what did you think about Cause I Love You? I thought it sounded like you really got me by the kinks. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down. With maybe a little bit of the Rolling Stones and the vocals, but not nearly as good as Mick Jagger. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I wrote down. Yeah, yeah they, they really don't got anything, except for um, a disappointed guitarist and drummer when this album came out. Okay. Uh, the next song, Flashing Lights. They really needed some flashing lights. My dog just burped at me, guys. I'm sorry. That was disgusting. Oh, I had to pause for a second. Uh, he was offended by Lord Such as well. Okay. Um, I put Flashing Flashing Lights. This one sounds like a Led Zeppelin song, musically, but his vocals are terrible. I'm really missing Robert Plant right now. If I could mute his terrible vocals, this song would be great. It's a nice groove. Once again, <laughs> the production is terrible. What did you think about it? This one was really annoying to me. Like you said, the vocal was just not good at all. The production wasn't there. It Maybe the music was fine, but to me, the guitar sounded somehow off on it. And that might be the production, because, I mean, it's Jimmy Page, and he's a master. So I'm sure that it wasn't him, but, yeah, it, it wasn't good. They muddied all the instruments down and pushed them back and out a little bit to give them, trying to give them a wide sound, but they didn't accomplish that. And then you try to bring his vocals in, but his vocals aren't good. <laughs> So that's they're trying to make his vocals the centerpiece, but I think this is his album. That's probably why, but uh, he should have just had another thing come, coming. I mean, they someone should have talked to him or something. But the next song, Gutty Guitar, it's another guitar rock style track. Not a good mix at all. I skipped it. What did you think about it? Even I wrote down this was not a good quality recording. It, it was just terrible. The recording quality was awful. The song itself was mediocre. It had a little bit of a surf vibe to it. Um, it could have been good, maybe, with a different band or a different singer, but it just... I think I skipped it, too, but I think I actually skipped almost all of these about halfway through. So, I probably I, uh, did. I tried to make it through most of them. I just... It was hard with his vocals, and... The mix, the mix on all this is just terrible. I don't know who ran the soundboard, but they just, it sounds like someone recorded, like, bootleg a little bit. <laughs> it sounds like they were trying to record it in secret. <laughs> like, ah, maybe they won't notice me recording this and we'll release an album. It's, these guys are just, you know, messing around. But, uh, I'm going to go to the next song. At number five, it's Would You Believe, and I Couldn't Believe. <laughs> Wow, his vocals are really not good. Another song hampered by a terrible muddy mix. Not a pleasant listen. I skipped this one too. What about you? The only thing I have to add is this one had... I feel like I say this all the time and I hate to say it constantly, but this one had some Beatles similarities to it. It sounded like Getting Better, a Beatles song to me. But... Yeah, the mix was bad. The vocals are awful. I'm, I feel like I'm saying the same thing about every song, but that's just all there is to say. This is like hard rock Joan Baez. Oh, I brought her back up. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go to the next song, Smoke and Fire. And this ain't Fire and Rain, guys. This is not Fire and Rain. Oh, I put, I'm sensing a pattern here. His vocals are terribly overdubbed and just terrible. The band can't even save him. And this is a huge disappointment. What do you think about it? I think that on this one he sounded like Ozzy Osbourne at his worst when he was really, really out of it. It's not a good thing. Not at all. It's just it's just really, really disappointing when you got such a star studded lineup here and they couldn't produce something better than this. It's just really a terrible, terrible disappointment so far. I mean, I, I went into side two just hoping maybe we'd find one song that that saved it, you know. But um, the next song, or the next song, I guess song one on side two is Thumping Beat. And I put, this song will be good if I could shut him up. Everything is good except him. <laughs> That's all I said. What did you think about it? Yeah, I think all of side two is better than side one. I'll say that. Um, still not good, but better. This one I thought was the best one I had heard so far, but the vocals were absolutely atrocious. And I am primarily a vocal listener, so that was really bad for me. Yeah, I don't know who convinced this guy that he could... I mean, I know he knew he couldn't sing. That's the thing. From what I read, he knew he couldn't sing, so it's just... It's almost like... Ripping a rip off. It's just ripping consumers off by putting. So you know you got Jimmy Page and you know John Bonham and Jeff Beck on here, and everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, I gotta buy that." Yeah, well, I would have been really mad because money was tight, and you know records weren't that cheap back then. So I don't know. I'm just gonna go to the next song. It's Union Jack Car, which is like the album cover. It has a big Union Jack on it, and I put. This song is a sweet little 16 ripoff. Just not as good. I just don't like it. And I did listen to the whole thing, but I wish I skipped it. <laughs> what did you think about it? It's interesting that you say it's a ripoff of Sweet Little 16. I didn't catch that, but that might actually be the case. What I wrote is the guitar solo wasn't bad. I have no other comments on this one, which is probably actually good in the context of this album. But that would make sense. Guitar, Barry. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was probably the only part of it that was good. Oh, yeah, they lifted it completely from him. It really sounds like it. But uh, it's funny that you said Chuck Berry because uh, coming up in, in, in reviews later on down the line, we have... Some piano work by one of Chuck Berry's piano pianists. So we'll save that for another day, ladies and gentlemen. Something I found out today. So, but the next song is "One for You, Baby," and I put on this one. I feel like Alice Cooper may have been influenced by this a little bit because this came out before, you know, Alice Cooper. But this song actually isn't terrible. The guitar is actually really great in it, and the drums are nice and tight. His vocals are actually turned down a little bit in this one. So, if I had to pick one, this was the best one on the album for me. What did you think about it? I agree. This is the best of the album. I actually liked the opening with the bass guitar on this one. I did think it should have ended about halfway through. Because after that, it just kind of 
felt like it was just droning on and on, but it's still the best on the album. Yeah, the only one. So, <laughs> but um, the next song, L O N D O N, and I'll only put one thing: his voice runs this song. So, what did you think? I wrote that voice is just really annoying and gives me a headache. That's all I put. It's really that bad, guys. It really is that bad. I mean, you think we're letting on, but you just wait. I thought I'd heard some bad stuff, and there was some music that I really don't like, but I would listen to Barbara Streisand's album again before I listen to this album again. So I'll just put that out there. I don't know about the bias thing, but it's, it's right there with it. <laughs> the next song, Brightest Light. Uh, this one just has terrible production, just like most most every song on the album. Everything's turned really far down. It's sloppy. It's disjointed. The vocals, including the backup, are almost so bad it's comical. But I put, wow, this is just bad. What did you think about it? You liked it, didn't you? I did not. I wrote one word about this. Meh. Yeah, I was just... It's just, it's not good. I was starting to get numb by the time this, you know... By the time this album is coming to an end, I'm like, oh, is it over yet? This is terrible. And, um, the final song, <laughs> Baby Come Back. And I listen to the song called Baby Come Back, but it's not this one. Baby Come Back. Yeah, I wish it was that song. I really do. Yeah. I put on here that I really like the guitar effect they use. Once again, another song that would be get better without his vocals. I guess I'm picking on Lord Such, but I'm really not looking forward to reviewing any more of his albums. Maybe I just had high hopes with such an all-star cast, but oh, the band was good in every track. The band's fine. It's just his vocals, and whoever ran the, the mixing board on this should have been fired the next day. But, I mean, what did you think about the last song? Yeah, I also wish that it was Baby Come Back by Player, because I actually like that song. This one had the same surf vibe and reminded me of the Kinks again, but in a really disappointing way, because it wasn't the Kinks, it was Lord Such, and he's terrible. Well, it was really hard for me to rate this album. I really didn't want to rate it at all, but I gave it one and a half star. What did you think about it? I struggled with it over whether to give it one or one and a half. I also went with one and a half because the music wasn't terrible. So yeah, there were some bright spots in that. So I went ahead and gave it the extra half star, but it was close. Yeah, it, it would, if it was just an instrumental and the production was good, it would probably be about a three and a half, maybe even a four. It may even be a four if they had a good singer. You know, I, I might yeah. actually like it because the vocals themselves weren't that bad. The lyrics, I mean. The lyrics weren't bad. Because <laughs> I went back to try to read the lyrics just to see what he was, you know, because his vocals were so bad I couldn't pay attention to it. If I did pay attention to it, I couldn't, you know. Normally I can, you know, compartmentalize things. I can have the vocals there and still be paying attention to them, but still be, you know, intrigued by this percussion in, in, in this song or... Maybe, you know, wow, that guitar effect is nice. But this one, if you 
start trying to listen to his vocals, that's all you're listening to. Like, really? They're, they really made a... Like, I can sing better than this guy. I'm not saying I can sing, but I can sing better than Screaming Lord Such. And I can probably scream better than him, too. But, yeah, this one, I mean... There are some albums that I do recommend that you go back and listen to because maybe they have some breakthrough sounds or maybe they did something different or just something. This one is not one of them. This one is terrible. I would skip this one and I will not be listening to it ever again. But, uh, yeah, the next uh, album I was really not looking forward to. Now, I... Especially coming out of this Screaming Lord Such thing. I know a little bit about Frank Zappa. I haven't listened to a whole lot of his stuff. And I'm not going to say Frank Zappa is a bad artist. But he is that. He is an artist. And he's eccentric. So you have to go into into his albums maybe with that in mind. If, if you don't get that vibe from the album title. Or the maybe the song titles. But, you know, if he, you know this is... His sixth studio album, well, this is the Mothers of Invention's sixth studio album, Frank Zappa's ninth. And this album came out February 9th, 1970. It's the Mothers of Invention Burnt Weenie Sandwich. And, you know, already going into it, I'm like, well, I mean, it's going to have some funkiness to it or something. I found out it's because it's named after that was his favorite meal when they were recording this stuff, was a burnt Hebrew national hot dog with uh, mustard on it. So, eh, you know, whatever. I guess it's a creative way to come up with an album title. So, now, I mean, how, how much have you listened to Frank Zappa stuff? A little bit. Um, I'm not a Frank Zappa fan, and like you, I was, I was dreading this album. So I was actually pleasantly surprised because it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected it to be. It wasn't as crazy or experimental as I expected. And in a way, the music kind of faded into the background, which is the last thing I ever expected to say about Frank Zappa, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is the first Mothers of Invention album, and I mean, I've I've heard Frank Zappa, but I probably couldn't tell you, I couldn't sit here and tell you one or two Frank Zappa album titles even so I went into this one with maybe maybe a little bit of a preconception because I have seen pictures of Frank Zappa and I've heard some of his stuff he's he's very avant-garde but the first song is WPLJ and it's a cover this song is uh, originally by the Four Deuces that's a, a 50s R&B song it's white poor lemon juice indeed is what I wrote uh, I kind of liked it, actually. And <laughs> this actually comes across as not being very... Uh, I don't want to say it's racist, because I don't mean it that way. But <laughs> I found out later a member of his band is uh, was Mexican, was from Mexico. So uh, it, it really sounds like Cheech from Cheech and Chong is speaking Spanish in this song. So I put, is that Cheech speaking Spanish in this song? This is a pretty good cover. I went back and listened to the, the original song. I, you know, I like this song, but what did you think about it? Yeah, I wrote, you know, it's not something I would seek out on my own, probably, but it's actually not bad. This was before I knew it was a cover, and I wrote, it sounds older, it's very doo-woppy. I also did think that the Spanish language um, rap, I think is what they called it at the end, it sounded very caricature-like. 
So I had to look it up afterwards to see you know, if it was a native speaker or if it was someone making fun of a native speaker. Yeah, it's a native but speaker. I'm glad that I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, about it's that. a native speaker, but he sounds like <laughs> Cheech from Cheech and Chong, ladies and gentlemen. It really does sound like there's a skit going on. Like I expected to hear Chong be like, "Hey, man, you know, <laughs> Dave's not here, man," or something like that at the end of this. I like I say this was a pretty solid song, and I mean it is a cover, so it wasn't original, but. I don't know, pretty decent. Uh, now the next song was not really a song, it's kind of an interlude, and it's Igor's Boogie Phase 1. The only thing I wrote on here, is that an accordion? I don't know what instrument was playing during this, and I didn't get a chance to look it up, to be honest with you. It wasn't bad, it was just short, it's only like 40, like 40 seconds long, I believe. So it was just an, a weird, just quirky way to go into the next song, I guess. Now, what did you think about Igor's Boogie Phase 1? Yeah, I wrote, not bad, but there's not much to say about 36 seconds. Yeah, so it's apparently 36 seconds. <laughs> but it was you know, good musically. Um, and I know that Frank Zappa was influenced by Stravinsky. That's why he named it Igor's Boogie. I don't know if there was any violin in it. I don't know, but I mean, I mean, like, he is a musical, like, I don't want to say a musical genius, but in a way he is. He is a genius. Like Frank Zappa is a genius, but he's just quirky. And, and I don't want to say odd, but I guess I will. He's odd because I'm odd. <laughs> we know we know our own to kind. But um, now the next song, though, like the first two songs, or you know, the first song and then the interlude, pretty good. Now this next song, though, this is what I expected going into this album. So I was really, really, uh, it's Overture to a Holiday in Berlin. I put this sounds like a middle school band. Is this intentional? What in the world is this? This is not good, as good as the first two tracks. And I wish that I didn't have to listen to this. <laughs> it's really busy. And it just sounds like a middle school band practicing and not doing it very well. What did you think about it? Yeah, it wasn't absolutely terrible, but it did sound really busy, like you said, and off key. So it wasn't great, but honestly, I still expected worse from Frank Zappa, so I still wasn't all that disappointed. I think it's an art piece. I really think of this one because it's Overture to a Holiday in Berlin. Probably It's probably more art than it is quality of music for this track. Now, now the next song, theme from Burnt Weenie Sandwich, I liked it as well. There's a really nice wah effect on the guitar, and I put, did someone just, <laughs> there is a part of it, though, that sounds like someone just lays on the piano, though, for a second, so that kind of startled me, it jarred me for a second, <laughs> someone just lay on the piano, there's lots of weird sounds thrown in, it's hard to describe, uh, you know, were they also doing, like, a Foley recording session as well during this, you know, just trying to go ahead and save some like, studio time, but... I don't know. Is this was a one huge jam session, and I I really liked it. It was odd and it had weird sounds, but probably the the best song so far. But it is the theme from Burnt Wing Sandwich, so that maybe that makes sense. But what did you think about it? I thought it was mostly not bad, except for the haunted house style organ or piano. I couldn't tell which it was, but the haunted house style string keyed instrument in the background near the beginning that stood out to me as well and i didn't care for that but the rest of it was okay 
yeah, it, it progresses. It's it's like a progressive song. It, it builds and it gets better. So I don't know. It was the it was the best song for me as far so far on the album. And the cover song was good to start the album, but this one was original. So I like to give a little bit more points on an original song, you know, if it's a good song. Now the next is the next song, I guess song. It's another interlude. It's Igor's Boogie Phase Two, and I put. Is that a bike horn? It's just a bunch of weird horns. It's just horns. That's really all it is. It's like a, a, a bike horn and I don't know. It's just, you know, I mean, what did you think about all these weird horns? It actually didn't bother me. And I don't normally like a lot of, I'm going to say a lot of bells and whistles, but I mean that literally bells, whistles, and horns kind of bother me. But... I didn't mind this one. It might just be because it was another really short one. I think it was like 35 seconds, so it didn't last long. Now, the next song, Holiday in Berlin, Full Blown. I put, this is odd. <laughs> Lots of, well, I put horns and whistles, but uh, it could be bells and whistles. Uh, there's a really nice saxophone in it. Uh, is this experimental jazz? I mean, I swear it sounded like the Muppets for a second. I think these guys get to went to a middle school. These they, when they were recording this, they went to a middle school music class and just played everyone's instruments. Some good, some not so good. But I, I actually kind of like this one. I do like improvisational jazz and, and stuff like that. So it does have that feel to it. So if you're not into into, into improv jazz or something like that, you're probably going to be annoyed with this. But it does evolve into like a funky jam session. It's just downright nasty almost. So you have to give it time. <laughs> you have to give it time and just, just make it through it because it really gets good. But I really like the vibe of it. I was surprised, especially with all the oddness that they stumbled something so brilliant. So what did you think about it? Yeah, like you said, I actually kind of like this one. You said that a minute ago, and I thought, oh, is he reading my notes? Because that's exactly what I wrote. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad. It was different, I guess, but not in a bad way. No, I mean, pleasantly surprised. It does have the quirkiness that I knew was going to be there, but not quirky in a bad way. Not, you know, it's not been a miss. Not really. I mean, I was really surprised. I like yeah. the, the title of the next song. I had to think, it's A-Y-B-E, the word C, like ocean. So it's A-B-C. It took me forever. I'm like, A-B-C, A -B -C. I don't know. But I put, it sounds like someone's playing a harpsichord. Like, it has a weird, like, it was the first thing that stood out to me. But I really like the piano in this. And then after a while, things do get disjointed and out of sync for a moment. So you have to get past that. Then it slowly just fades into piano. I put, this is such an odd album. <laughs> That's what I put. But what did you think about it? It was atonal in the middle and a little bit creepy in a way. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of tubular bells. <laughs> so a little creepy, but I do like tubular bells. And other than that you know, slight atonal sound, it... it wasn't bad, really. No, I mean, it's been, it is a lot of improv, you know, like, in it, and things do get a little bit disjointed, maybe out of time, but they work their way back around. So, 
it's not a total miss, even when they get, you know, out of sync or whatever. So, I don't know. I liked it so far. And going into side two, I was actually excited to see what, you know, if side two was going to be good or if it was going to be one of those albums where side two is something that you don't even need to bother looking at. So, well, the first song on side two is Little House That I Used or Little House I Used to Live In. It should be Little House That I Used to Live In, I think. <laughs> but, um,. I put this song starts out with a lengthy piano segment. I mean, it's pretty, pretty beefy, but boom, they're off to the races. Like just all of a sudden, they don't even give you any warnings playing piano. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're off to the races with a funky jazz jam that I really like. Uh, the effect on the guitar, once again, is really nice. And the violin in this song is amazing. Uh, what a pleasant surprise. And that violin stays around for a long time. And I had it, a note, and I guess I deleted it. Who the, the violinist is? He's actually a famous violinist who pioneered the use of uh, amplification of a violin. And um, Frank Zappa actually rescued, like, rescued him from jail to, to play on this album. Got him out of jail and, and helped him get back on his feet again. So that was really cool. And I wish I, and I, I guess somehow that got deleted, but um, I want to look that up again because I want to look for some more stuff by this guy because that violin was might have been the, the the best thing in this whole album, but it was just I don't know, it was just really cool. But you know the violin once he plays for a while has that really awesome jam, it changes to something totally different. I don't even know what to call it honestly. It's something live. I mean, it's I, I I couldn't tell it was live, so they kind of they kind of surprised me with it. I I think no, it was not. I think he put that clapping and stuff from something else, just to to be quirky. So what did you think about it though? I couldn't tell that it was live either until the end when you heard the applause and him speaking to the audience. Um, it was I thought it was going to be too long, and it was really long. It was over 18 and a half minutes. I'm not normally really a long song person because I'm just too impatient. I get ready for something different, but having different movements does help with that, and these were all very different. Some of them were okay, some of them were annoying, but I did actually really like the violin in the middle third of the song. I wrote that down too. Yeah, it, it really, really seals it for me. The next song there's only two songs on side two because like you said 18 minute song i forgot that i, I had that list too so somehow my notes got corrupted a little bit uh, i don't know how but uh i want to look up that guy's name that, that does the violin again because he did quite a bit more stuff from i had the tab open and it's gone now the last song because like i said there's only songs on two songs on side two is valerie and that's a cover song as well from Jackie and the Starlights. It's another doo-wop cover. It's okay. This one's not really spectacular. And I actually like the original quite a bit better. But I thought it was an odd way. I, I don't guess it is odd because they start with a doo-wop song. Maybe to end it with a doo-wop song. But after that lengthy, crazy jam with the violin and all that. To end it on this, I don't know. It kind of went out with a whimper. But it wasn't a bad song, but it after all that, you know, maybe they should have put the first song on side two, be Valerie, 
and then end it with little house I used to live in just because of the sheer length of the thing just my personal you know I'm armchair quarterback and I'm not Frank Zappa <laughs> thank goodness but uh <laughs> but what, did you, what did you think about it I did think it was interesting that they both started and ended not just with the cover but with the doo-wop cover I didn't expect that um it wasn't bad that's what I put um it's not great, but I didn't mind it. I like the original, but it was okay. And, like I say, that was the last song on the album, and it was, you know, it was okay. But this album, going into it, I thought it was going to be... I was, I thought I was looking at about a one album, and I, <laughs> I was really surprised because I gave it three stars. Now, what did you think about it? I was all set to make this a one star album and I was really pleasantly surprised. I gave it three stars also. It's not great for me. Nothing really stands out about it, but I didn't mind it. So I really thought I was going to. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what else Frank Zappa has to see if he has some more, you know, some more good stuff or is it going to be some craziness that I'm just so turned away from I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, like I said, that was his his ninth album he was involved in. I don't know how many albums Frank Zappa was involved in, but probably quite a few. I think his his catalog's pretty extensive, and a lot of that stuff is just you know jam stuff, and who knows? Well, I guess we'll see what we get into. But uh, all right, now the next album I was really excited for. I already know this album. I've heard it quite a few times. Now we get a puppy dog barking. I don't know why he's doing it. But he said hi to everybody. This album came out February 9th, 1970. And it was a great album, guys. <laughs> this is The Doors, Morrison Hotel. This is their fifth studio album. And this is a turn to their blues rock style. The album before it, and I can't remember the, that album title right now. It's just slipped my memory. I've listened to every Doors song, I believe. Like, I'm a huge Doors fan. I don't, I don't want to say I'm the biggest Doors fan. But at one point in my life, I did go through, like we're doing right now. And I listened to every Doors song. Not every Doors song is good, but most of them are good in my opinion. I'm just a huge fan. But the album before this, uh, like, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a softer, uh, like, has a lot of strings in it, and it was a really expensive album to produce. This one, not so much, and it shows that they don't need to get in the studio and do something extra fancy. They just need to stick with what they're, you know, what they're good at. And they're good at the other, you know, fancy strings and going psychedelic with a lot of stuff. But I don't know. I just really was excited that this album showed up. But, I mean, have you listened to this album before now? I haven't listened to the whole album, but, of course, I know The Doors, and I did already know some of these songs and have heard of the album. So I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I would like to maybe stay in Morrison Hotel for the night. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a lot, lots of drinking and drugging. I don't know if I want to be around that scene. 
But um, the first song, I mean, it's one of the Doors' most, I don't want to say the most famous songs because Hello, I Love You and, and stuff like that, probably more famous. But Rose, I mean, I love this song. It's one of my favorite Doors' songs. I mean, I love the Barrel House style the piano's played in. Now, do you know what Barrel House uh, piano is? No, I don't. Um, I've always heard it Barrel House style. It's also called, called Boogie style. It's like sped up blues style. And the reason that I know about it is because Chuck Berry, his pianist is um, Daryl Davis, I think his name is. If I'm not mistaken, that's his name. And he played for Chuck Berry, which I didn't know. I, I found out about him because he's converted a lot of KKK members to being friends with him. Like, they stopped being racist and prejudiced once they started hanging out with this guy. He's a, he's a black guy, you know. Awesome guy. But um, everyone check out uh, Daryl. I think it's Daryl Davis. I need to make sure of that. But check out uh, YouTube for his videos because he plays some boogie style you know boogie style piano for you and it's awesome but you know sidebar on that but the, that's what the the style that this piano that they're playing it's like a sped up blues it's it was used um because a lot of uh, drums were outlawed and that's where this all this originally comes from was from slavery times the piano was allowed but there weren't percussion instruments allowed. so they use piano for percussion in a lot of ways in Barrel House or Boogie Woogie style music. But anyway, music lesson over, guys. <laughs> this song, I mean, it's funky. It's amazing. If you don't know it, check it out. I'm not even going to highly recommend it. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> check it out. It's a great song. But I mean, what else? What do you know about Roadhouse Blues? Never heard of it before, huh? <laughs> I do know this song, and I already loved it. I actually... It's probably one of my favorite Doors songs as well. Um, I put, I really like, I called it honky tonk style piano, and then I corrected myself. I guess it's Roadhouse style. But yeah, like he said, guys, check this song out. It's so good. And when I looked it up after listening, I realized John Sebastian, who we have already reviewed, played harmonica on this song. That I didn't know, but I love the harmonica in this one. I just always assumed. Jim Morrison played it, you know. I guess that shows what I know. Um, another another thing, Barrel House actually morphed into Rockabilly, so more people know Rockabilly more than you know than maybe Barrel House and like that's just it was like Boogie and then and then uh, Barrel House and then it became you know I, I'm, I know I'm a music nerd, but uh, I really like that stuff. Well, I really like piano and I really like that style of piano like I don't really like I'm not a big classical piano person but I love blues piano and I love barrel house style so I love this song but I'm gonna go to the next song and that's waiting for the sun and this one has a psychedelic feel with his vocals I like the bluesy guitar and they have pauses in the song it builds suspense I love how the doors always use the organ in their music it just really makes their music have a wide feel. It just adds. I don't know. It just adds. I've always liked it, and I wish bands used it now. It's missing in a lot of music. There's a couple bands that use it, but they're paying homage to 70s acts like 
Ghost. The band Ghost uses the organ quite a bit. I think just pretty much every song. That's why I like them. But uh, not the only reason. But uh, <laughs> but um, you know, keep having sidebars. This is like a, a random playing podcast. Um, I don't know. I just really like the way they use the organ in their music. This one isn't as good as the first track, but I mean, it's still good. What did you think about Waiting for the Sun? I agree. It is good. No, it's probably not as good as Roadhouse Blues, but it is still really good. I didn't immediately recognize the title, but it, when I listened, it turns out I have heard this song. So I don't know where, but it was familiar. And it is good. So, again, you should give it a listen. Have you watched the the Doors movie? They play. It's pretty prominent in the Doors movie. Yeah, and, and I mean it, it's known. It's you know it's funny though. I thought the title of this one it almost reminded me of a Beatles title. Yeah. For some reason, I had to look it up first, like because I knew the song and but like I was like, did they cover the Beatles? This That's is here weird. comes the sun. This sounds like a Beatles. Yeah, it's here comes the sun. So, but I was like, oh my goodness, which ghost actually covered that? Really? So, yeah. But um, I'll have to look yeah, that up. they did. They covered. Yeah, I'll have to show you some. They covered like three or four songs. But the next track is "You Make Me Real," and that fun, fun piano's back. And this one has a really groovy, funky vibe. Morrison actually added some grit to his vocals in this one, and it really worked with the track. Uh, there's a really good guitar solo and just kick things up it's just another good song I mean the Doors are a great band what else can you say what else what are you what are you gonna say about it (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it's funny that you mentioned Chuck Berry earlier because what I thought about this one it's bluesy but mixed with 50s rock in the style of Chuck Berry Uh, I had heard this one as well but it's not super familiar to me but I do like it I really enjoyed listening to it. I mean, The Doors and Chuck Berry. You can't go wrong with that. Oh, the next song. I love it. I already knew it. I didn't know there were some things about it I didn't know. I love the title. The title's Peace Frog. I don't know where he got it from. But actually, this is one of the only tracks that I know of that the music was recorded first. And the vocals were actually added later using poems by Jim Morrison. That's actually how Maynard James Keenan and Tool produced their albums. Uh, every, like that's I don't know. It's just a different way of doing things. Most of the time, you're, uh, you'll have your vocals, you know, your you know, your vocals or your lyrics at least in place, and the band will know what the lyrics are going to be and they'll write music accordingly. But actually, this is just backwards. It's actually a complete opposite. But I'm pretty interesting, and this song's funky it's awesome the bass groove is really smooth there's a bit of a effect on the guitar and i really like that just really funky lyrics really funky instrumentation it's just fun it's a fun song and i mean he's not a bad poet i mean i'm not you know any kind of a, a critic on, on poetry or whatever but i mean J- jim morrison's not a bad poet in my opinion what did you think about peace frog I think this one was a single. I knew it pretty well, but I listened to it with 
know, a different sort of ear this time. I was listening to analyze it and not just to listen. And I noticed the guitar in it uh, seems to have inspired 90s music. I don't know if that was intentional, but there were definitely some similarities there. And also some hints of later Doors songs to come, uh, specifically L.A. Woman. There were definitely some hints of that. It's not my favorite of their songs, but it is good. I thought the music in it was really good. I feel like his vocal execution wasn't quite his best, but the content was still good. I appreciate the point he was trying to make. I think he was probably in a... <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to be PG. He may have been on another level when he was talking about <laughs> some of this stuff. Maybe a little bit, uh, maybe maybe I hanging out with Lucy in the right. sky with diamonds, just a little bit. I don't know that, but maybe it just has some real psychedelic feel to his poetry, and I don't know. I, I like it, but uh, it's just fun. Now the next song, Blue Sunday, it's a slower song. It has that spacey, psychedelic Doors. That's the only way I can. The, the Doors really have a certain vibes in some of their songs. When they don't go with like the the bluesy, gritty kind of thing, it's like a psychedelic, like he's like he's on acid. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just feels like that. It just has this woo spacey. I don't know. It's just different. But his lyrics are really wide in the song. I like that. It's a short song. It doesn't bog the album down, you know, because it is slower. But I liked it, and I liked a little bit of rest from you know you know because we had you make me real and peace frog everything's so fast and frenetic slow it down a little bit just give you a you know a little change of pace but what did you think about blue sunday it was nice to slow it down a little it was maybe a little too spacey a little <laughs> spicy a little too spacey and a little bit too slow i don't know it reminded me a little bit of leonard cohen who is not my favorite it's not bad. It just isn't as good as other Doors songs. And the organ in the background actually reminded me a little bit of a funeral home. So <laughs> that might be part of why I was taken out of it a little bit. But, you know, it's not bad. It's still the Doors. It was spacey, but not quite Kevin Spacey. The joke had to be made. The joke had to be made. <laughs> Now the next song, Sh Ship of Fools, oh it's never too soon, <laughs> Ship of Fools, uh, I didn't put a whole lot about it, it's just another good Doors song, it, has, it was a good choice to end side one on. If you like the Doors, it has that Doors sound, but what did you think about Ship of Fools? That's basically what I wrote as well, it's not bad, it's not a standout, so just kind of there but hmm? it's a good way to end side one and just kind of ease into side two yeah because side two picks it up a little bit uh the first track land ho I like i thought going into it i'm like man what are they doing land ho this sounds like the title's kind of corny in a way like what are they doing but actually the song it made me smile for some reason i don't know why I love how the organ made everything flow just really smoothly. It's just really catchy. And I don't know. It's it made me smile. What did you think about Land Ho? 
yeah, I agree. Um, I wasn't sure about it when I read the title, and then when the song started, I thought, what are they doing? This is weird. But, yeah, they definitely achieved the sea shanty vibe, but in a really good, fun way. It's not as good as their bluesy rock, but it was still, it was just fun. It actually kind of sounded like something from a musical to me. I love musicals, so for me, that's a good thing. You know, I, I might have. It might have been interesting to see Jim Morrison in a musical. <laughs> I don't know if it would have worked. Interesting, yeah. yes. Oh, just all oh, acided up and just drunk, you know, <laughs> exposing himself on stage. Like he got in trouble for that during this. I think this album, actually, the concert this, when this started stuff started happening. So it's kind of sad. I shouldn't joke about it. I don't get. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, it would have been it. It would have been interesting to it see happened. Jim Morrison, yeah, coming out like with Barbara Streisand, <laughs> a duet album, <laughs> like getting on stage, singing show tunes. Oh. No, no. Anyway, so <laughs> now the on. next song is "The Spy," more traditional style blues with that funky vibe that they usually like to add in. Um, this song has that spacey, like they like to use, that big, wide, open feel to it. I just really adore the production on this album. I didn't look to see who produced it, but I think Morrison probably did have a say in some of this stuff. Because of the way the vocals are presented, they're not on top of everything. They're around everything. And it just, it just, it en envelops it. Gives it a nice envelope, I guess you could say. But what do you think about it? 20 seconds into this one, I was going, ooh, I really like this. It was really good. Everything about it. You know, the beat, the tinkly piano, the dreamy vocals. It was just all really good. It turned out to be one of my favorites off of the album. The next track, Queen of the Highway, I actually was a little bit disappointed. It's one of those filler doors tracks, in my opinion. It's, it's a groovy. It has those spacey vocals in it. It's just, it's not the strongest doors song. It's still a good song, but it's one of those filler tracks, in my opinion. And Queen of the Highway, I expected a little more out of it. I don't know why. The title sounds like it should have some oomph or something. But it's just kind of there. What do you think about it? To me, it had sort of a similar feel to People Are Strange, which had already been released at this point. People Are Strange is better, so... This one is not going to win any awards, probably. It was okay, but like you said, it is kind it's of just there. filler. Uh, the next track, Indian Summer, uh, it's a really subdued song. In, in my opinion, it's more of a background music type of song, because I mean, it's so chill and relaxed that you may yawn. If you're just acting, sitting there listening in headphones, and maybe you it's in the evening you're a little bit tired, maybe trying to review some music, <laughs> Maybe I'm self-reflecting, but um, you know, it, it it's more of a background when you're trying to do something. It, it's it's not a bad song, but it's very calm. What do you think about Indian Summer? It was a big change from the previous song. I thought um, I thought it was a better slow song than Blue Sunday. Just my opinion. I probably won't seek it out again, 
because it's not the best slow song and it's not the best of the doors, but it's a fine song. And it's just, there are better ones out there. Now, the next track's the final song on the album. It's fun. It has a fun title. It's Maggie McGill. I knew this one. Uh, it's another funky, bluesy song. Morrison's back to his more gritty vocal style. And it's just a great song to end the album on. It picks things back up a little bit. And I mean, like I say, I already knew Maggie McGill. It's one of the Doors songs that I did remember. Like I said, I've listened to this whole album before, but some of these track, tracks I didn't remember. But I did remember this one. What do you think about Maggie McGill? I had heard this one also. Um, like you said, it, it is fun. It was a lot of fun. I didn't think it was his best vocal in the first half. The second half it was better, but in the first half of the song it did feel like he was just straining just a little too much and it was a little forced and fake sounding, but that that got better. Either way, the whole song in general was good and I would definitely listen to it again. Yeah, there's definitely quite a few playlist songs on here. I think it'd be hard to... I mean, there, there's very few weak songs on this album in my opinion. And let's say... I am entirely biased for this for this one because I love The Doors. But this one is a four and a half star album for me. It's not five. It's not. And I mean, I like it. Some of these songs like Roadhouse Blues, Roadhouse Blues is a five star song. And Waiting for the Sun might be a five star song for me as well for different reasons. But this one's about four and a half for me. What do you think about it? I do really like Roadhouse Blues. Like I said, it's one of my favorites. But I also like several other Doors songs that aren't on this album better than the ones on here. So I didn't want to score it too high. But it is still good. People should definitely give it a listen if you haven't heard it. Oh my goodness. Now the final album for this week was... Oh my... It's an amazing... It's amazing... It started a whole genre of music, guys. Have anyone out there ever heard of George Clinton? Maybe P-Funk Clinton? Funk music? February 24th, 1970. Funkadelic. Released their self-titled album, Funkadelic. And it's psychedelic rock. Some might say acid rock. A little bit of soul. Because it is. A, there's a lot of soul. Like the lyrics, especially, are very soulful. And George Clinton does come from a more of a soul, 60s soul particular background. And a lot of these lyrics you can tell, but it's entirely different than soul. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy and it's different and in all the right ways. But um, you know, have you heard have you heard any funkadelic before? They are one of those bands where I can't name any of their songs, but I know that I know some of them. Um, so I was interested in listening to this to see if I knew any of them. I did know that George Clinton was involved. Um, I think I know his work with Parliament just a little bit better. But I did know that he was with Funkadelic as well. Well, most people know Funkadelic by an album called Maggot Brain. <laughs> I know it's an interesting title. But I believe that's their second album. It might be their third. I'm not sure. 
I know that one. I for some reason I'd never listened to this debut album by Funkadelic. Maybe I have, but you know, there's a lot. Funkadelic and Parliament and George Clinton have, they have a lot of music. So once you start going into that rabbit hole, you're gonna be there for a while. But I'm gonna get right into it. Now the first track, Mommy, what's a funkadelic? It's funky psychedelic groove, amazing instrumentation. It has a naughty vibe though, some little bit of suggestive lyrics. So watch out for that. Uh, it's probably not one you're going to be playing with the kids around. Just saying. I'll leave that up to you if you want to listen to it. This is a PG show, guys. This is not a PG song, really. I mean, eh, PG-13, maybe. I, I love the effects on the bass, the lead guitar. George Clinton is the father of funk music, and he shows his brilliance on this song. It's just a strong start. What do you think about it? This had an awesome funky groove to it. I really enjoyed that. It was a little too long for me, but that's kind of normal for these kinds of songs. Um, but it was obviously a perfect example of 1970s punk, but that's because it did kind of create the genre. And it actually sounded like movie montage music to me. <laughs> either a sexy montage or maybe drugs maybe both <laughs> that's what I imagined while I was listening to this um, a lot of Funkadelic or Parliament a lot of this style of music is put in behind 70's exploitation films like Shaft and uh, Superfly TNT Dolomite a lot of that stuff which I love <laughs> that's what I grew up with guys so, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, um, you, a lot of that stuff was behind, in behind a lot of this. And you said movies, I was thinking naughty movies, because <laughs> you might hear some of that as well. But I'm going to go to the next song. Uh, it's I Bet You. This is a 60s Motown soul sound. It has a little bit of funkiness thrown in. I even sensed a little bit of Hendrix influence on the guitarist. Just a little bit. And it actually, I looked it up, and Cl George Clinton actually does have a connection with, with Jimi Hendrix. So there you go. It's just a nice vibe. It was, it was another great track. What do you think about I Bet You? Yeah, it wasn't as strong on the funk groove. I've put that down to it's still there, but it's a little more in the background than in the previous track. It was a little more R&B. I thought it was really good. It was a little familiar. I feel like I might have heard it, and it turns out the Jackson 5 covered it, so I might have heard their version of it. But it was good. It was enjoyable. Oh, yeah. I really, really was enjoying this album, and I was only two songs in. And they weren't familiar. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I've heard Mommy Wants a Funkadelic, <laughs> but like I say, there's so, much, there's so much George Clinton stuff out there because he's a musical genius. That, I mean, you can you can just get down that rabbit hole and you won't come back for a while. But now the next song is Music for My Mother. I love funk music. That's what I put. The bass lines are always tight and groovy. It's just a cool vibe. And I can just imagine how groundbreaking, breaking, groundbreaking maybe too, this album was when it came out. Because it, it's not like anything before it, I don't believe. But what did you think about it? 
yeah, it was back to being really strong on the funk, which I like funk, so for me, that's a good thing. If you don't like funk, then probably not the album for you. <laughs> but I thought this one was not quite as good as the previous two, but still good. It had a different vocalist, and he sounded a little more, I don't know, I'm going to say drugged out. I didn't care for his vocals as much. <laughs> He's, he funky. was a little spacier. <laughs> he sounded a little funkier. He couldn't handle the funks, what it is. You said, get the funk out. Get the funk out of here. I can't handle it. It's too much funk. It's too much funk. <laughs> now, the next song, at first, for the title, I was like, hmm. Because <laughs> we've already had a little risque. You know, I'm like, is he trying to talk about something? It's not. It's just, it's, I got a thing, you got a thing, everybody's got a thing. It's Did not that thing, ladies there? and gentlemen. First time that I noticed, well, I mean, he already had, like, sex sounds in, the, like, the first song. I mean, pretty much. That's, that's what it is. So, you know, I'm keeping it PG. Sex, like, you can say the word sex, I guess. But, uh, I mean, it just has that vibe. This whole album has that kind of, like... Like he's trying to talk someone, in, in, like a lady, like, hey, yeah, baby, you can handle the funk, you know, <laughs> you know, all that. It just has that vibe. Now, but this song, it's the first time that I'd actually noticed horns in the mix. And they might have been in the other songs, but they weren't out as much. And it just really added quite a bit of punch to it. And there's an absolutely sick guitar riff throughout this song. I mean, it's funny. it made me smile as it came, as it went through the progressions just every song on this album has been a treat to listen to but i like funk so what do you think about i got a thing you got a thing everybody's got a thing i i want that thing <laughs> funky bass with that twangy guitar layered on top i just love that music yeah, it was good might have been the best song on side one I think. Probably so. It's just fun. Now, we're going into side two. The first song, good old... This is the first time I've really heard the background singers in, in, in this track. Like, before, I didn't really hear anybody else. This one was really nice. Another soulful, psychedelic, funky track that I like quite a bit. The lead guitarist, he really doesn't get enough credit. And uh, there's someone playing the Hammond organ. In this song, I looked it up because Hammond organ has a specific sound compared to even other organs, and it just really adds a nice vibe to everything. And I know I haven't commented on the percussion at all on this album yet, but it's outstanding in every song. But it just it really does come through in this particular song. But it's strong in every. The, the band is amazing. I mean, the lyrics, I mean, George Clinton's, and even the other guy that you couldn't handle the funk, the lyrics are still solid. There's no, uh, she who now shall not be named on this, on this album. So what do you think about good old music? Good old funky music indeed. This was actually my favorite off of the album. And like you said, it had a great percussion beat. It wasn't overly complex, but it worked really well for the song. And the guitar is just amazing. At one point, 
it almost sounded like a trombone or something. I think it was the guitar that was doing that, but I had to stop and think about it because I thought, what am I hearing? It was just really, really good. Oh, yeah. I, I was excited because um, I was wondering, you know, is side two going to start being weak? Are we going to start getting a little bit of filler track in here? I haven't heard a filler track yet. I mean, like, there's not that many songs, but they are long. Like, every song's, I think, at least five minutes or six minutes long on this album. Once again, I don't have the times in front of me right now, but if you don't like lengthy songs with a lot of instrumentation in it, and, you know, if the, if the funk, the style, like the guitar, that sound and stuff, really not your thing, you're not going to like this album at all. <laughs> because that's what this is. But, uh, now the next song is Qualify and Satisfy. I like that title. I don't know why. It just sounds like something uh, one of my older friends would have said. My friends. Qualify and satisfy. That's what you got to do. But uh, this is old style blues done the right way. Both guitarists, rhythm and lead, killing it once again. The whole band is just solid. It's another great track to listen to. And it's fun. What do you think about Qualify and Satisfy? It's another good one. All I put is this music just makes me dance in my seat. Now the final track on the album is What is Soul? Really psychedelic spoken word. At first, it morphs into them having a smoking session, actually. <laughs> it made me chuckle. <laughs> the lyrics, they're hilarious in this song. It's the first one that's not really serious. He, it's, it's said with a smile almost. You can tell they're having a good time. It's just a smooth, it's, it's a soulful groove. Groove. Uh, groove. Can't hardly talk. Everything's placed where it should be. The vocals aren't muddy or lost in the background. The instruments are all clear. You can hear every instrument. It's just been a great album to listen to. The production is solid. The band was amazing. And the lyrics, the lyricist and the vocals are solid. What do you think about what is soul? It's definitely tongue-in-cheek. So that made it fun. And again, there's nothing bad on the album. For me, this one was a little too repetitive for the leap, but that is kind of a thing. I'm just an impatient person. If it's going to be that long, I'd prefer for it to you know, change a little more throughout the song. But I did enjoy it. I really like the dynamics in this one. The percussion came in a little bit late, and some of the instruments started dropping out near the end, and I do really appreciate that. Oh, I was actually sad for this album to end. I can't wait to listen a little bit more Funkadelic. And I'm not, I've, I've heard Maggot Brain, it might be their second album. That comes later on. But this one is a five star album for me. Just because it was so groundbreaking. Like I say, I like the production on it. Uh, all the instrumentation is amazing. The vocals, maybe they aren't as strong. And some of them, and they, the, the tongue-in-cheek song at the end, but it was—I don't know—I just like it. Now, what do you think about Funkadelic? I waffle on this one between four stars because all the songs are really good, and three and a half because they were a little bit long for me. I'm gonna go ahead and give it four, but I do wish that they had made some of them, just some of them, just a little bit shorter. They're reviving. 
as the kids say. Is that's what? <laughs> I guess so. You know they had a the smoke session. That. So that's what was going on. That's why they were playing all the instruments and everything. And just oh, bobbing, having a good time. Exactly. That's what it is. He was smoking weed and trying to get ladies. That's all it is. It's it's the whole album, <laughs> and having fun, and being being amazing, like lyrically and. Like say the band, the band is what really sold it for me. I like George Clinton, but he's not the the, the main focus in Funkadelic as much as the band is. You know, like if it's Parliament and stuff like that, a little later on, you know. And of course, you still got Bootsy Collins playing for George Clinton. He's not in Funkadelic. I thought he was. Bootsy Collins actually with uh, with Parliament, another amazing guitarist. If everyone, if people don't know about him check him out but actually that was a great way for me to end the week as far as albums go uh, like the doors and funkadelic i mean you can't really ask for a whole lot much stronger i don't know that we've had a one-two punch strong as strong you know i can go back and look i mean we had john sebastian that was great and we had uh <clears throat> i can't remember what we had right before was it van morrison right before him i believe it was Van Morrison into John Sebastian last oh, week. We listen to so many albums now, guys. And, man. I can't remember what's each week. <laughs> I, I know them all, but I can't remember yeah. the uh, the order we've done them in. I just can't unless I just go back and look. And, and I know, peek behind the curtain, I may have listened to a little bit and already reviewed a little bit unless before we're getting we talk old. about it. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually prepared for once. Huh. My teachers that said I would never amount to anything, and they were half, and they were half right. No, <laughs> but um, no, it was a great, great week for me, and I think next week's going to be pretty great as well. Got a lot of exciting stuff coming up, and I have listened to a little bit of it just to get an idea of you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting myself into this next week coming up, and I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty good. Maybe a couple sneakers in there. But I'm not even going to spoil it because I don't want to list everything. I don't want to give you the list, guys. I want you to wait a little bit. But you do know that this stuff will have come out toward the end of February. So if you want to look ahead, you can. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I think my favorite album for this week, which I think I'm going to start trying to do that too, is noting which one I listened, you know, had the most enjoyment listened to. I don't know. It's probably going to be Morrison Hotel. Even though the, the Funkadelic was a five star for me, the length of the, the song sometimes, you know, like you said, it lends itself to you can't really sit down and listen to it like that. But I think Morrison Hotel was my, probably my favorite album that we listened to this week. So I don't know if you wanted to pick, but I don't know. For me, it would either be... <laughs> Mother's of... No, it's Lord Such. <laughs> no, for me, it would either be... <laughs> it would either be The Doors or James Taylor. I do really like James Taylor as well. So, one of those two. James Taylor was good. I'm not going to say he was bad. But he's no Jim Morrison. Although a duet behind between James Taylor and Jim Morrison also would be uh, interesting as well, guys. Somebody needs to deep fake that. Yeah, somebody needs to deep fake something like that for me now. No. <laughs> but with that being said, 
it's been a nice week. I hope everyone's, you know, had a good time listening to us ramble on about some old music. It's going to be a really exciting week next week, too. So be sure to tune in. And as always, have a nice, happy, safe, fun, music-filled week. And please, please, please wear your mask.